I pray that uh, that song just speaks into your heart today and that you will embrace that completely all in. I so miss worshiping with you guys, but I know that we are together. And I'm so grateful for this incredible opportunity that God has given to us to meet together in the way that we are even today. None of this has taken God by surprise. He had this all planned out ahead of time. He planned for this message this morning. I know that to be true. As I was praying and looking to God for the message of today, man, I just want you to know he loves you. This is an incredible day in history and in time, and this is an incredible moment in our lives. As we gather together in this way to worship and to celebrate this week, which is so significant in all of the history of the world, past, present, and future, this week is the most incredible week that the world in its history has ever known. Today, as you know, is Palm Sunday that day that is the triumphant entry of Christ, that day in which the church has set aside a moment in time that we would call this week on the calendar Holy Week. But as we in the New Testament church see all these things unfolding before us and we see this stuff that's on our calendar as we prepare to celebrate God's redemptive story, even though it is relatively new on our calendar being 2,000 years. It has been on God's calendar since before the world began. We're going to begin reading Scripture today that is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 46. And as we would look at this Scripture, what I want you to know in the history of this, this book written by the prophet Isaiah was written in the 670 to 700 plus BC before Christ era. God had established a relationship with Abraham that he promised through covenant that he would bring forth a nation through him which became Israel and that in his descendants he would bring forth the Messiah, the Savior of the world not just of the Jews, not just of the Hebrew people, but of the world. In that covenant that God made, God promised to be the God of His people if they would serve Him throughout their history. Israel would turn their back on God. And they would worship other gods, idols, pagan gods and pagan worship. Because of this, God dispersed them in and through well, they had problems throughout their history and God would bring judgment down upon them to bring them the repentance and they would seek his face. He would speak through prophets and priests of old. And in the Old Testament, prior to Christ's death and resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit, humanity was not allowed to have the Holy Spirit within because of the blight of sin upon us. And so in the Old Testament, when you read the scriptures, it says that the Spirit of God fell upon them, came upon them, and the prophets would speak God's word. Isaiah, here in chapter 46, is proclaiming to Israel one of those messages that God placed upon him, speaking through him to the people who were once again suffering as a result of worshiping pagan gods. 
I want to pick up in chapter 46, verse number 5. To whom will you compare me? This is God speaking, remember. Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire a craftsman to make a god from it. When they bow down and they worship it, they carry it around on their shoulders. And when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there is no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. Before I continue reading in verse number 8, people hear me today. As throughout the world, in churches and shrines and yards and houses and various places, people are praying to images and idols, ideas, as we look to things that are created by man, asking it to do something about our current situation, about my personal problems and these things. And God himself speaks to us and says, why would you do this with something you created yourself? You have to fashion it. You have to set it down. It can't even move on its own, and yet you're going to proclaim it as God? Listen to his words as he speaks to his prophet to us today. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there is no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. Do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things that I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. Wow. What incredibly powerful words from God. Speaking to us. To his people. To the prophet Isaiah. For I alone am God. Only I can tell the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. Well most of us. If not all of us have celebrated Palm Sunday at some point in our lifetime. We go to church, if no other time of the year, we do it at this time and at Christmas. And so as we put our mind on God and the things of God and and looking at the redemptive story of Jesus Christ, we want to look deeper into this specific date in history and see exactly what God was up to. It is amazing when we look in Scripture the things that God has revealed to us. And as we look at God at work through time and history in perfect, detailed, God-like action, we are going to begin reading Scripture of an event that took place about 2,000 years ago. The Scripture we want to read to you is found in the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter. Now, in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the ministry of Jesus Christ is recorded from various authors and various angles, if you will. The gospel of John is written to a generic audience, me and you, where Matthew was written with a Jewish audience in mind as it talks about the prophets and the law and the fulfillment of all those things that Jesus did. Mark was written to a Roman audience, who did not know nor did they care about all those things of the law and Moses and the covenant and the prophets. 
nor did they know about it, nor did it matter to them. It didn't because the message was all about Jesus and salvation through him. Luke wrote to a Greek audience, and we know most of us the history of the Greeks and how fascinated they were with the human body and all those types of things. And so Dr. Luke wrote about the miraculous things that God did through Jesus Christ in the miracles. There are more miracles written about in Luke than any other. And then we come to John. John's book is written to a broader audience And he tells us the reason he wrote the book in the 20th chapter. He says, these things are recorded that you might know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. It is called the gospel of belief. Now, I want you to notice this, that we are beginning in chapter 12 in our reading. There are 21 chapters in the book of John. But chapter 12 begins Holy Week leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Therefore, a large portion of the Gospel of John is attentive to details in Holy Week like no other book. And so it is specifically incredible that we would look in this chapter 12 and read a couple of verses out of this section, beginning with verse number 1 in chapter 12. And this is what we read from Scripture. Six days before the Passover celebration began... Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. So before I read any further, I want you to know that Bethany was like a suburb of Jerusalem. So let's continue reading here. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Skipping down to verse number 9. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival... They flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Skipping down to verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went out to the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Now, we all know that account, and we've read that story about those happenings for Holy Week. But I want us to draw attention to something that is of great detail that only God could orchestrate in what He is doing in His master plan. Chapter 12 begins by stating to us, six days before Passover, Jesus came. Now, when we understand that, that the people were gathering from all parts of the globe, coming to Jerusalem to celebrate this incredible feast called the Passover. And as they were gathering in Jerusalem and the surrounding communities, we are noticing that Scripture states, John chapter 12, six days before Passover. We want to also highlight another statement that is made as you read down through there with me. And the next statement that was made was the next day. 
So as we look at these two references to dates in history, they are important as we now look back uh, probably about 5,500 plus years ago from today, but about 3,500 years prior to this very moment that John is recording to us. In Acts chapter 12, we pick up in a story of God's redemptive plan for His people, those that He had made a covenant with, whom He had said, I will bring you out of Egypt and make you a nation. So in the point in which we're about to read in Exodus chapter 12, God has already visited nine plagues upon the Egyptians. When this all began, God spoke to Moses and said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go. God was going to lead his people using Moses to lead them out to become a nation like he had promised Abraham so many generations before. Now, God spoke to Moses and he said, I'm going to let Egypt and Pharaoh know and the world know that I alone am God. Do you remember those scriptures in Isaiah? I alone am God, and there is none other. So here God is speaking those similar words to Moses, and he says, I want the world to know that I am. So nine plagues have been visited upon Egypt already prior to this reading in scripture. And each of those nine plagues specifically went after one of the false gods of Egypt. And this final one would also attack one of and eliminate their gods. Let us look in Exodus 12, verse 3. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. So I want you to understand some of the background here. If you look in Scripture, you know that God had established a new month and a new beginning of year. And it was in the month that the Hebrew people would call Nizam. And so it became the first month of the year as God was beginning to launch His purpose and plan for His people. And therefore, God said, it is now a new day, a new time. Everything is going to start new in this moment in history. And so it is in this month, the first month, as God announces to his people, this is what's coming. This is what's happening today. It is in that first month that the scripture references on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. We move down to verse 6. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. So now in our culture, we celebrate days by mornings and nights, the 24-hour period, but the Hebrew day starts at sunset or twilight of that day. And so in that evening time that we would call it, it would begin the next day as the sun would set. Therefore, the lamb was taken in, and five days later, that perfect spotless lamb that was selected from all the herds, brought into the home, would then be killed. 
on that very night that that lamb would give its life, God said to them that you must put that blood on the doorposts and the mantle of the house and the Passover would happen where he said he would come over and if the blood was not there, death would strike in the home. If it was there, he would pass over. Exodus 12, verse 12. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. Remember those scriptures? I am God alone that He spoke through the prophet Isaiah, that He spoke through Moses when He called them into this place. He is speaking this to Pharaoh, to the people, to His own people. He wants the world to know He is God alone. In verse number 42, on this night, the Lord kept His promise to bring His people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to Him and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. Even as the Jews, Israel, Hebrew descendants have gone through the decades and generations that have come from that day to this, the Passover was and still is celebrated by those peoples. I want us to look at something here that is so important and significant to you and I, specific to this very day in which we are, leading into this week in which we are heading. As we mentioned, the Hebrew day begins at twilight, and therefore the Scripture declares that same night, that night in which the Lamb would die, the Passover would come, and it would initiate the release of the people from bondage. That same night would have been Nizan 15, which is the day Israel would walk out of bondage through God's deliverance. Passover has been celebrated every year on Nizan 15 ever since. This day falls in either March or April of our Gregorian calendar. So now let's go back to John 12 for a moment. I'm so blessed by this man. I... John 12, remember it says, six days before Passover, Jesus arrived in Bethany. We look at knowing that the Passover was going to take place on Nizan 15. If he came in six days prior, he would have arrived in Bethany on Nizan 9. And then John writes, as we read in those scriptures down further, the next day, Jesus came into Jerusalem. That David Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey and the people were declaring him would have been Nizan 10. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is the day that every household was to select the spotless lamb. <laughs> that that should be offered to God in celebration of his bringing his people out of bondage into freedom. It was on that day that Jesus himself 
the spotless lamb of God rode into his people being declared as the one. Let me once again read to you the scriptures in Isaiah 46. Remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. Listen. People listen. God's like, I had this plan from the beginning. I planned this when you were in bondage in Egypt. I planned this throughout your history as I was moving among you as your people. I knew this day would come. The perfection of God, alone knowing the future, has written it down so that you and I might know that He alone is God. There is no other, no other human being, no other God, for there is no other God, could have planned something from all back there before time began into current history and future history. As we look at what God says to us, I want you to see this as Jesus rides in on Nizan 10. He's being declared as the one. Five days later, the Passover lambs of those in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Passover. <laughs> Would bring their lambs physically before the temple of God. And in that evening, just a vast group of lambs would be slaughtered. I'm talking about on this very day that we are talking about in history that John is recording to us. And while people were bringing their lambs before the temple in celebration of God's redemption, at the very same time, in the evening of that day, in that week on God's calendar, Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, was on the cross of Calvary. And as the evening came, <laughs> Jesus said, It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And he bowed his head and died listen people when we put this all together when we see this amazing God at work we see this incredible moment where the priests were all there before the temple slaughtering lambs to celebrate the freedom of people from bondage into new life and liberty Jesus the final sacrifice of God was speaking that the sacrificial system was now complete and he was and is the final sacrifice. Remember John declared it when he first saw him. I'm talking about John the Baptist, chapter 1, verse 29, when Jesus was beginning his ministry three and a half years before this moment where he cries, I am finished. John saw him walking on the beach coming down to the river to be baptized and John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Here he is, this coming Friday, hanging on the cross, declaring it is finished. What it is finished? What is it? 
The redemptive plan of God bringing people from the bondage of sin into new life and freedom. His amazing plan of redemption was put in place for any and all to accept. God is a God of perfection. There is no other. The Passover lamb had been slain. All who come to Him, come before Him, come to Him to seek redemption. God's plan is available. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him, you see that? It's not just for Jews. It's not just for specific people, some elect, some preordained group of people. God has given an invitation that whoever would believe on Him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. I want the world to know there is no no other God. There is no other Savior besides Jesus Christ. You will not go into heaven without Him. We need to know that He is God alone. If you have not received Him, He is available for you today. If you have received Him, I want you to know something that is so important for us today. This God of perfect detail, who knew the future, knows exactly what's going on in our world today. None of this is taken in by surprise. The fact that I am preaching to an empty church, God's not like, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing now. He knows. He is a perfect God who directs things and knows things and He knows the future. He knows mine and your future. He has revealed this throughout time and history and future history as He has spoken through the prophets of old. Even some of those in the Old Testament like Ezekiel and Daniel will speak of things that have not yet been done in mine in your life or in the history of the world but are yet coming. The writer of the Gospel of John himself wrote the book of Revelation telling us there are things still out there that God knows all about that He has planned out. And He alone is God. We do not need to fear the past, the present, or the future when we know Him. He loves us. Why would we be in fear about what is happening in the world around us today? I mean this again very... You know me. And if you don't know me, I want to say this rightly so you understand me. The redemptive plan of God is not hinging upon the CDC, the United States government, any other world government, the World Health Organization, or anybody else. And I'm grateful for all those who are in their places doing what they do. But I want everyone to understand it's all about God. (laughs) Why would we fear any of this stuff going on around us? Why would we question and wonder what is going on? (laughs) Our lives are all about a relationship with Him He desired to have a relationship with us. That's why we were made in the very beginning. And when we screwed it up, Jesus came, God became flesh and dwelt among us as one of us in order to initiate that once again possible relationship with Him, which is brand new and beginning in Christ. (laughs) Let me once again read to you these amazing words. 
God's own words through his prophet Isaiah. I want to read them to you once again before we close the service. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. Just pause for a moment before we read the remaining part of that scripture. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. As we look back in history, we can read our Bible and know that God has worked through crisis and climate, wars, pestilence. God has worked through all of them, not causing all of them, worked through all of them, calling people to himself to recognize that he is God. What is happening in the world around us can very well be one of those moments that God himself is reaching out to this global planet saying, I am God alone. Those of you that are praying to other gods, to other images, grabbing onto material things and praying and hoping for an answer, it's not coming. He is God alone. He is the God of the Bible. He is the one true God. And he made that declaration to us that we might know. Now, as we look back in history and see him not only in Old Testament scripture, but how about current history in my life and in yours? You've seen God move. You've also seen where you screwed it up when you moved, when you tried to bring God on your journey in your direction and you tried to take control of your life. You know where it's screwed up. God says, I am God alone. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. I, um, I want to say this to so many of you that us that try and manipulate God and direct him and try and tell him how things ought to be God wants us to know he's God alone and he's it we've been invited on his journey we're not inviting God on ours I pray today that if you don't know him you will know him if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior today's the day this is an incredible moment in history past present and future that initiated and launched God's redemptive plan to the world he had a plan to redeem your life so that you might enter into relationship with him. If you do not know him, simply invite him into your heart. Confess that you're a sinner, you're broken on your own and that you need him to be your God and he will be. If you will say that prayer today, please contact us and contact the office. There's going to be information at the end of the service. We want to help you in your journey as you begin this brand new life and this brand new day with Him. Those of you that have already started that journey with God, stepped into that new life, and want you to hear that God has something for us today too. As we look back in the past, we read these scriptures. We're here to celebrate Palm Sunday, looking forward to Good Friday and Easter next week. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, are celebrating the most incredible time in the history of the world. And as believers... We are here to celebrate who this God is and we want the world to know. Maybe you're not real bold in your faith or you're a little bit intimidated. Just share this message with other people. 
Let the world knows that, know that you believe in this God and this God alone. We sang a song in our worship earlier that said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, no one else is going to get to you to God except Him. There is no other way. All other gods are false gods made by humanity and they cannot move, cannot hear, cannot answer prayer. God and God alone can answer prayer. Let's look to Him now. Father, as we come before you in the name of Jesus, God, you knew, you know, and you are working this very day, this very moment. People will be watching this, not only this morning, but throughout the week. But in that very moment where they hear this prayer, where they hear this message, God, you are working in their life, inviting them into this incredible relationship, reminding those that are in relationship with you about the amazing God they are serving. There is no fear in faith, only love. God, as we celebrate this incredible Holy Week, we want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May God bless you. We look forward to joining you all week long and then seeing you again next Sunday, God willing. Can't wait till we assemble together as the church. We love you. Have an amazing day with Him.